of the message. What godly fathers know. Um, well, uh, there's, I think, a few key things. We can go as a long list, but we're not going to go. I think you can sum, sum them up in just a, a four simple things. And the first one is uh, when we talk about fathers and godly fathers and what they know as they go through this life is, and this isn't a philosophical thing. We're not doing philosophy here, but it's one of those questions that is going to be answered in a sense um, as, 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 as far as fatherhood goes and being a father. First of all, a godly father knows that who they are. A godly fathers know who they are, who he is. Let's put it that way. He knows who he is. First of all, in Genesis chapter 1, we know what the Bible says very clearly. And um, this was reiterated over and over again in our Sunday school class over the past year, uh, which we had. But in Genesis 1 verse 27, the Bible says that God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Two genders, male, female. That's, what God, that's, that's who God created. That's God's design. That's God's plan. And of course, where we are today, sin has disrupted that whole order of things. And now people don't know who they are. It's called an identity crisis, but it really the roots are spiritual. They are created by God. A godly father knows who he is. He knows that he is created by God. And he created in his image. They know that they are men. I'll just leave it there. They know that they are men designed by God for specific purposes and roles. There is something there I would even go beyond, and it doesn't matter what culture and philosophy and and, and ideology and just all the different perspectives that are out there that are not biblical that speak out and and are loud and, and, and clamoring for our attention and men's attention. Men have, I would argue, instinctually by God and by design, specific roles and responsibilities as they go through this life. You know, it's not that they know, it's not even that men know that they're men, that I'm a male, that I'm a man, I'm designed by God, I'm a father, and I have things i got to do, and, and there's something inside of them that drives them to do those things, and we'll talk about that in a minute. However, a godly man knows this too about himself. He knows that he is a sinner saved by grace. Even though he has been created, he's created in the image of God, God created him, he knows that because of the fall, because of sin, the original sin, that he is a sinner who is saved only by the grace of God. And a godly father, or even a godly man, has made his ultimate possession the gift of God, which is eternal salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And so he knows that he is saved. He knows that he's created by God. He knows that he's a sinner, but he's saved by grace. And as a result, godly fathers are humble. They're not perfect. I don't see too many, I see a couple of teenagers or preteens and kids here, but, but godly fathers are humble. They're not perfect. We're not perfect. We don't do everything just right, so, so forgive us. But we know that. We know that we're creating God's image and that we're designed for a specific purpose and roles in this life, but that we're sinners saved by grace, and we stay humble. We try to stay humble with God's grace. We fight that all the time because pride always creeps up on us, doesn't it? Godly men also know that they are unique. That's who they know they are. They know that they are unique. There, there is only one Bob Geruda, thank God, 
There is only one Ben Balch. There can be no other Ben Balch. There can only be one Bob Bruce. There cannot be, and there is not, there never will be another Bob Bruce. Just won't happen. Sure, we say like father, like son, but you will never be, you will never have another Bob Bruce. You will never have another Bob Geruda. It just won't happen. We are unique, and there is only one of you. There's only one of me, and there is no other. Bob Drew, it is me. And so if I know that, it keeps me humble and it keeps me uh, knowing that I'm unique. It also should lead me and drive me to know myself. That if I'm unique, I recognize certain things about myself. For example, a godly man should know his strengths and his weaknesses. Oh, we're kind of discovering those as we go along. We understand that. But if you're a man, a godly man, and a godly father, you know your strengths and weaknesses. And so do your children. And so do your children. You know why? They see you all the time. And so they know which buttons to push, don't they? So as much as I love Cohen cuddling up next to me, sometimes I feel like pushing him away. It very very forcefully when he's doing other things because he knows how to push my buttons. And, and, if you, and a godly father also knows the gifts that God has given him. We don't all share the same gifts and we have various gifts. And so when we have them, we understand them and our strengths and weaknesses and how we use them. So we know who we are. Godly father knows who he is. Listen, one, one thing about, about knowing who you are. Be on guard, fathers. Men, be on guard against comparing yourself to other men or fathers to define who you are. I'm going to say that again. Because we all do it. Humanity does this. Be on guard, fathers, against comparing yourself to other men or fathers to define who you are. Are. They can certainly help. And we have role models and we look up to people. But let me just say that the man, the father, who does not know who he is, will forever be trying to find out and to prove himself a man in unhealthy ways. And pride becomes very evident. This naturally leads to the second thing that godly fathers know. If godly fathers know who they are, then they certainly also know whose they are. If they know that they are created in God's image, but they are sinners saved by grace, and that they are unique and they know their strengths and weaknesses, and so they walk humbly with God's help, and they guard themselves against comparing themselves against the standard of somebody else and trying to prove their manhood in unhealthy ways, it's because they know whose they are. They know who they are and they know whose they are. The man who knows he is a creation of Almighty God and the redeemed of a Savior who loves them is likely to live a different kind of life than from someone who doesn't. They know that they belong to God and are children of God. We, I referenced that earlier in our service that for those who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to be called children of God, to become children of God. And when godly men, when they receive the Holy Spirit at salvation, they become godly at that point, of course. 
They know the words of the Apostle Paul to, the, to, to be true in Romans chapter 8. And this is what he says. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. There you go. There you're a child again. You're a child of God. And he says, and by him, by that spirit, we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy. You're my Daddy. I belong to you. You take care of me. I run to you. I rely on you. And the Spirit himself in verse 16 testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. It's a grind. But we know a godly man knows who he is and a godly father knows who he is, but he also knows whose he is. And so a godly father knows, because he's a child of God, he knows that he is accountable to his father, to his creator, God Almighty. You know what that means? That simply means that a godly man knows that he cannot do what he wants, when he wants, with whomever he wants, wherever he wants. It doesn't work that way. You're accountable to God. You know that you belong to Him, and because you belong to Him, you do everything that He desires, or you strive to desire to, to do that, because you want to please God, your Father. Amen? And so you can't. A godly man, a godly father, can't just do what he wants. And remember, there are eyes watching you. You can't just do whatever you want, when you want, with whoever you want. So a godly father knows who he is, whose he is, And thirdly, a godly father knows why he is here. Godly father knows why he is here. Too many men believe that they are here to find themselves, discover themselves. You know, let's put it this way. They're always learning, always looking, always searching, but they're never knowing. They never know. Or sometimes men believe that they, they're here to exp- they, live, they exist and they live here to express themselves and to put the spotlight on what they or others they look to approval from deem to be manly. They're here to express themselves. We have a lot of expressing themselves going on in this world. And it's not a pretty picture, folks. It's laden with sin. And it's certainly not an upward spiral. It's the other way. And some men believe that they're here to fulfill themselves. Self-gratification on every level, whether it's sexual, intellectual, whether it's just, just the, the, anything, everything for the body and the ego. And that they, they, they believe that they're here just to fulfill themselves. It's all here and it's present and I can feel it, I can touch it, I can grab it, I can get it, and I'm taking it because I want it and I like it. That's not what godly men do. But a godly father and a godly man knows why he is put here on earth because he knows who he is and whose he is. He knows that he's here to worship and glorify God in everything he does. To represent God in this life and on this planet. Colossians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul says, we're familiar with this passage, that all things were created through Christ And for Christ. 
It's all through Christ and for Christ. So that the the godly uh, father understands that. He knows that he's here for Christ, to glorify him, to elevate, to exalt Jesus, to put him at center stage and in the spotlight in all things that he does in his life. No, he's not perfect. And he won't do this all the time. But when he recognizes it, he turns the ship. And he wants to glorify God and not himself. The godly father knows that to glorify God is to do these following things. First of all, a godly father glorifies God by keeping and obeying his commands. If you're not doing that as a father or as a man, or in fact, anyone here, then you're not living a godly life. To obey and keep his commands... They are a man. Listen to what 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 to 4 says in the Old Testament. David says to Solomon, before, while he's dying, this is his words. When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. I am about to go the way of all the earth. In other words, I'm going to die like everybody else. And he said, so be strong. Act like a man. And observe what the Lord your God requires. And there's a colon there. And I don't know the, 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 the punctuation in the Hebrew. But it says, walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do what God tells you to do. Obey him. That's what he's telling him. And he's, as he's about to die, he's telling Solomon, in everything you do, man up and obey God, your creator. Do what he wants you to do. Because why? He says, do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. And that the Lord may keep his promise to me. If your descendants watch how they live and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. Obedience goes a long way and has many benefits. To lead by example is a huge responsibility that men have and that fathers have in the home with their children. Lead by example. Not just, you're obeying God's commands, but because you're obeying His commands, you're leading by example with loving authority by God's design in the home and in society. A godly man knows that he is to be a faithful husband if he's married. There is an old saying that the greatest gift a father can give to his children is to love their mother. Are we doing that? Are we taking the the words of the Apostle Paul, which he tells and instructs Christian men, that there is nothing more than protecting, caring for, and honoring his wife in the family in Ephesians chapter 5. Read it all over again. And he equates it and likens it to the love that Jesus had for his church. You obey and keep his commands. You lead by example and you take care of your wife and your family, but, but also you nurture and you care for the family in a way that reflects Christ's sacrificial love for the church. That means that when you don't feel like it, you do it anyway. That means you don't lay around on the couch all day. That means that you don't just uh, bypass your responsibility to somebody else. I'm not scolding you. I'm just telling you that that's what God expects. This means that a father provides what is necessary for his family. Let me just pause here. 
You will provide as a godly father because you're obeying God in your role to provide what is necessary for your family. What is necessary for your family? What is necessary for your family? Too many fathers think that if they can shower their kids with 10,000 gifts and the more things they get them and they want everything, that's what great fatherhood and godliness is and I'm really taking care and I'm providing for my family. But you're missing the boat if you're not providing what is necessary and that is that you are showing them the way of the Lord. You are teaching them the ways of the Lord. That you are loving your wife. That you are loving them. That you are living a life that demonstrates humility and you recognize that you're a sinner saved by grace. We live in a time where most households have all the necessities. There's, there's, I, I, I'm going to say most. 90% in this country have everything they need, generally speaking. But not providing your son with the latest video gaming system is not a crime or a sin. And it is not ungodliness. It is not a necessity. Is it a luxury? And can you get it? Do they desire it? Sure, do it. Knock yourself out. It is not a necessity. And we confuse those. That's just one example. There are many others. We confuse necessity with wants or desires of whether they're our own or our children's. Or our spouses. But we provide what is necessary for the home. God's design is that men would provide the necessities. Men, are we doing that? Not only that, as I mentioned, we are to teach, the, the, a godly father is to teach his children on two fronts, in two ways. First of all, with God's word. We know Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 to 9. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And with all your strength, Moses tells God's people, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. And verse 7 says, impress them on your children. How do you impress something? By example. And and you do it consistently. And, And it's obvious, it's visible. When there's an impression, it's visible, it's lasting, it stays there. And, and, and you've got to keep doing that so it stays there. Talk, he says, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. In other words, all the time. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This is what we're supposed to be doing. And of course, this should be so deeply a part of the father's, the man's life, that it naturally is manifest, secondly, with how he lives his life. Again, there's the example, living it out. The father should live live God's way of life and teach it to his children through everything he does and says all day long. And when he doesn't, a godly father will say, man, I messed up. So, one of the most humbling things, that happens, and Sharon can testify to this, and she will second service if she's here, if you don't believe her, that we have, we have done or said some things to our boys. They weren't crazy, whatever, but we, they, were, they, they, were on, they were not appropriate or necessary. It was, we didn't need to do it, right? And it's hard to sit down with them and say, you know, mommy and daddy were wrong in the way we said that. Or mommy and daddy shouldn't have. That's, that's a really tough thing. But you're modeling something. You're teaching something. You're showing them something. Be humble enough to do that. 
Because you're living out that godliness, that holiness to say, I was wrong. If you don't show them that, they won't be apologetic when they're wrong in the future themselves. They'll have a hard time doing that. Model that for them. Be honest. Be transparent. Abraham was commended by God because of the example that he set and the way he led his family. Remember that our father Abraham, the man of faith? God knew Abraham in Genesis 18. God knew that Abraham would command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice. Godly man teaches his children with God's word. It's not just in words, but it's the words. But he lives it out. He's a living word among them. Charles Kettering. Anyone know that name? Charles Kettering was an inventor. He worked for General Motors um, and, he be, and, and Delco, the company. And he invented a whole bunch of, had a lot of patents for car parts and whatever. He kind of invented the, uh, the, uh, the, the auto starter for car, the starter for vehicles. Um, electronic starter. He, he kind of invented that. He was part of that process. He said something. He said, every father should remember one day his son will follow his example, not his advice. I'll read that again. Charles Kettering said, every father should remember that one day his son will follow his example, not his advice. We have mini-me's in the house when you have kids. You really do. Leading by example and teaching children is not to be done with unrealistic expectations that exasperate them or annoy them to high heavens to be so frustrated that they feel hopeless. So when we're teaching them by example and with our words, don't make them feel like they can never get there. Don't make them feel like the sky is so high they'll never touch it. Well, it's true because of sin. We understand that in that spiritual aspect. But just the principles in life that we live by, you're going to have failings. And, and, and don't, don't have such unrealistic expectations that your seven-year-old kid should do X, Y. They're, they're a kid. Let them be a kid and teach them along the way. Don't exasperate or annoy them and frustrate them so bad that they feel hopeless. And then they'll be bitter against you one day, and that's hard. Paul says that in Ephesians chapter 6. So we do all that. We teach them with the word. We teach them with their lives. And we do it humbly and lovingly. Amen? Lastly, a godly father knows this last thing. A godly father knows where he is going. Now, I mean, I don't mean that in this life, with your career path and what my mission is, and that I have it all mapped out. That's, we should do that. Don't, don't misunderstand me. That's, that's very important in this life, practically speaking. We should do that. We should have a plan, and we should have a place we're going and a focus, right? But this is more about the idea that, that, that we have our eyes set on eternity. A godly man has his eyes set on eternity. They know, a godly father knows, that he is a foreigner or an alien, as the apostle Peter puts it in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 8-11. to But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Then he says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from lust, fleshly lusts, which wage war against the soul. 
aliens and strangers. And in the first chapter and, and in the first verse, he addresses his audience as those who are in Cappadocia and, and, and the, in the area of what is the modern day Turkey now and even further spread out to the aliens who are scattered. He addresses them as aliens. This is not your home. Yes, it's your home in this body. You live, I get it. You live in whatever your address is. I understand that. But we are living for something more than just this life. And we're living in this life for that life. Hebrews chapter 11 is marked with great people of God who are looking for a better country as they pass through this earthly life. A godly father knows it's not all about just the stuff here on earth. Philippians 3.20, Paul says, Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. A godly father knows where he's going. And when he knows where he's going, he takes his children, his family, and those around him with him. Amen? That's that's what a godly father does. Knowing where you are going helps keep your destination in view, the goal in view, right? So I'm not a hunter. I know a little bit. I've done a little. Well, I've done a little, very little. But Wayne's here. He can testify. And if I'm wrong, he will correct me. And he might even shed more light and clarity on what I'm about to say. Remember, when you go hunting, anyone go hunting? Who hunts? All right. Well, uh, Ben, of course, and Peter. How could I forget you guys? When you go hunting, there are two sights on the gun, correct? Am I wrong? Yes? Just please please confirm, because I'm going to be really insecure here. Okay, so there are two sights. There's one. There's one that's right in front of your face, right? And there's one at the end of the barrel, Correct? Right? So, you've got to line up the one right in front of your face with the one at the end of the barrel if you're going to hit your target. Amen? Because if you don't, you're going to be way off. You're going to have an inaccurate shot. In fact, who knows where it'll go if you don't line them up. In the same way, a godly father does not live exclusively for the present, looking at the sight right in front of them here and now. He actually looks with a view at the other sight as well and lines it up with eternity so that the way he lives now is consistent with what he represents that's there in eternity. This helps our values and our purpose to be consistent with God's you got to line them up. Sure, you're living now, but you got to know where you're going, and a godly man knows where he's going. And this is all temporary stuff. And that we will go someplace where we will live forever and ever and ever, and we should take as many people with us as we can, starting with our family. Amen? Amen? So in closing, I have a charge, a quick charge, and one question. First, I charge you, fathers and all the men, with the words of the Apostle Paul in his first letter to Corinth in chapter 16 and verses 13 to 14. He says this in the New American Standard. Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Now, it's interesting. I read this verse many times in many translations. And that's why you should read many translations when you study the Bible. The New American Standard and the King James has act like men. 
The other translations do not have act like men. They just have be courageous. But the original language in the Greek is a masculine word that says, be a man. Be a man. Man up. Be mature. Don't just be a boy walking around a man's body. Be a man. Man up today. Be a father who is a man, who is manly, who does these things, who knows who he is, who knows whose he is, who knows why he's here, and who knows where he's going, and then live according to that knowledge that's deep with, not in your mind, but in your soul, in your spirit. Let all that you be done, in verse 14 he finishes, be done in love. In other words, be a man, not a boy, and demonstrate your maturity by being controlled, confident, and courageous wherever you find yourself, at home, at work, and play, whatever you're doing. If you know that you could use some help with this this morning, ask God the Father, and he'll help you. He's a good father. The second is a question. Fathers, do you know where you're going today? I mean, not like to that lunch later or to that, that, that picnic we're going to have at Beaver Tail with the Balches later. Do you know where you're going? Do you know where you're going in eternity? Like, like the second sight on that. Do you see where you're going? Do you know where you're going and what your destination is? Will it be with God or will it be without him? If you're not sure, you can absolutely know where you're going. Faith in Christ will redefine you. In fact, it'll make you a new man who knows who he is, whose he is, and why he's here. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 to 11, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil... By nature, because of sin. If you then are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? It's there for the asking. And if you're feeling something going on in your heart, and you're like, you know what? Yeah, I got a man up, and I, I'm feeling something going on. I got I to take some corrective measures here. That's the Holy Spirit. I'm going to believe it's the Holy Spirit who's, who's saying, you know, I got to change something. I, I need God in my life because I, I, I'm not sure who I am. I think I know, but I'm always trying to find out what my identity is, and I'm struggling, and I'm trying to be like other guys or measure up to their standards, and it's not working, and I'm frustrated, and, and, and I'm not leading my family, and I don't know where I'm going, and I just I don't even know who I belong to. I think I'm my own guy, but I'm just confused. We give good gifts to our children, but this morning God wants to give you the greatest gift, His Holy Spirit, the gift of eternal salvation. And it's simply done by faith when you acknowledge Him. You acknowledge first that you're a sinner and you acknowledge Him as Savior and Lord. And you get a great gift and everything changes. And then you know these things. And you can know like other godly fathers. Amen. 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 Let's close in prayer. We're going we're gonna to start prayer in just a second here. But we're going to close in prayer. And we're going to have, if you need to stay, the altars are open. They're going to be open. And I encourage you to spend some time. Father, thank you for, Lord, your goodness towards us. And thank you for this word. I pray that uh, we would evaluate and we would... Um, compare ourselves against your standard, against your love, against your word, and against your design for us as as fathers, as men in this world. God, I pray that 
each man would know, and each person even, even further, all of us would know who we are, whose we are, why we're here, and where we're going. And I thank you for the gift of eternal salvation, so I pray for those, Lord, who you are drawing, and I pray, God, that you would uh, cause them, Lord, to cry out to you, that you would give them the faith, Lord, to believe in Jesus as your Son. We thank you and praise you, Lord, that uh, your arms are always wide open. Your love is great. It's deep, high, wide, beyond our wildest imagination or comprehension. We thank you for that, Lord. To you be the glory, the honor. We just give you this day. And bless our fathers, we ask. Amen.